For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings shall we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 282 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Pauls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And you guys, this one's going to be fucking messy. This is going to be a messy episode. We're going to be bouncing around all over the place. We're going to be covering chapter 16, The Rescue, the season finale of Mandalorian season 2. We, of course, have a special guest who will be joining us. They are a little indisposed right now, so they'll be joining us shortly whenever they're available. But, you know, sometimes uh, here lately, because we've been so such a stickler with recording on Fridays, our buddy Will here hasn't always had the firmest availability. And while I had him available, like I was like, damn, I can't miss the opportunity. You never know when Will might have to back out to address a family matter so slip away into the dark night yeah so this might turn out to be like a blue harvest tag team match me versus will and our special guest who will be joining us earlier they might have to tag in and out here ding ding um wow uh so i'm positively bursting to talk about this episode i probably slept three hours last night after this episode really so that that has been an ongoing thing with the Mandalorian this season where I stay up late. I stay up till two in the morning to watch the episode. And then there has been a handful of episodes, you know, the first episode, the Ahsoka episode, the Bo-Katan episode, the Boba Fett episode, this episode where, you know, it's staying up to two. That's not my normal, unless it's the weekend. That's not my normal you know, schedule. And I'm not using like, uh, you know, energy drinks or anything to stay up that late. <laughs> so, you know, often by the time Mandalorian comes on, I'm pretty sleepy. Not after those episodes. And getting to sleep, not an easy task. And last night was the worst. Like, as far as being able to settle down. I have been, I, I think I could walk around the house right now if I wanted. I've been floating all day. Oh my goodness. Wow. What an episode. 
I am so fucking happy. We will get into all of that, of course. But I think we would be remiss not to address something that is uh, much sadder of a topic and something that definitely had me bummed out, uh, and that is the passing of Jeremy Bullock, uh, the man behind the suit of Boba Fett in the original trilogy. You know, uh, at different times in the original trilogy, um, other actors were in the Boba Fett suits for little scenes here and there, but... You know, when I think of original trilogy Boba Fett, I think of Jeremy Bullock being in the suit, right? Right. And unfortunately, he passed this week at the age of 75. And like, I just, even with all the excitement of what happened in this episode of The Mandalorian, and 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 it's, it's weird, right, that the after credit sequence announces a Boba Fett spinoff you know, the day of, day after uh, Jeremy Bullock passes away. Like, just right. what a weird universal coincidence, right? And, uh, you know, I think listeners to this show will know that, like, Jeremy Bullock in that suit of armor left an indelible mark on my Star Wars fandom. <laughs> like, that's an he understatement. Sure did. And, you know, I had the... Spent a lot of time thinking about the dude's image or staring at him, whether you knew it or not. Yeah. And I had the, you know, the opportunity to meet him at Pensacon uh, a few years back. And he couldn't have been nicer. Just polite, warm, welcoming. Just a lovely, lovely person. And uh, I'm so glad, you know, that I took that opportunity to meet him. And um, it sucks. It sucks that he's gone. You know, it's just, it's one of those things, man. As we get older, our heroes will not be along with us anymore. And since the start of this podcast, we've seen that a lot, you know, from Christopher Lee, Carrie Fisher, obviously David Prowse passed away a couple weeks ago. Jeremy Bullock, like Peter Mayhew, all these people who have made such a lasting impact on us aren't going to be around anymore. And that sucks. And uh, I'm just glad that, you know, for a guy like Jeremy Bullock, who didn't necessarily, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to be offensive, but he didn't have, you know, a Harrison Ford-esque career. But, right, he was able to portray one of the most iconic roles in Star Wars, one of, like a fan favorite role for a lot of people, and right. then was able to parlay that into convention appearances, and I don't, I think the dude knew how much he meant to people, like what he did in Star Wars meant to people. And, you know, when someone like that isn't with us anymore, I think that gives me like a level of comfort. And it may all sound cheesy. We're talking about a guy in a suit, but he meant a lot to me. So I didn't want to, you know, let the episode pass without just addressing it and and giving him a bit of appreciation for what he brought into my personal fandom. Absolutely. He will be missed. He will. Um, so, buddy, <coughs> we got to we gotta just jump into it. We'll get your thoughts. We'll add our special guest when he shows up. We'll get his thoughts. If we have time, because we are starting a little later than normal, 
we'll hear from you guys. If not, Will and I have an episode planned for next week where we just sort of, you know, broadly discuss season two of The Mandalorian as a whole and hear from you guys. Um, now that we'll be able to have a little bit more of a normal recording schedule and can just record whenever Will's free, hopefully that makes it a little easier. So if we don't get to you guys tonight, you know we'll get to you tomorrow. Or not tomorrow, next week. Um, you know we love you. Yeah, man. Uh, buddy, What do? where do we start? What do we say? Oh, uh, I mean... Just basically that my mind was blown after after I watched that episode. It, it just blew my mind how amazing it was to see the assault on Moff Gideon, the ass whooping that Luke Skywalker delivered when he showed up. Uh, it just blew my mind. So I, I just don't understand how one season of a TV show, much less a Star Wars TV show, can be this fucking crazy. You know what I mean? It's crazy to me that this episode, this season started with Cobb Vanth, a character that was only in books, showing up, right? right? Completely turning my personal feelings on the character around, fighting a crate dragon, flying around in Boba Fett's armor next to Din Djarin in his shiny-ass best car, and then the real Boba Fett, Timur Morrison, shows up at the end of the season. That feels... Like it happened years ago because of all the crazy <laughs> shit that has happened this season. Yeah. And I know people's mileage will vary with this fact, but leading into this season, we talked about all the rumors. You know what I'm saying? Boba Fett, Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, blah, blah, blah. And one of our big questions like going into this is like, how can you fit all of this into one season? Something seems off, Right. Like, I think we both sort of were like, can this all be true? It's so much. Right, right it is. It was all true, and there was more. Never, Not once, not once pre this season was it rumored that Luke Skywalker would show up, whip some ass, and not in like a video gamey, Force Unleashed type of way, but in a cool, calm, collected Jedi Master way. And not only that, they would use fucking de-aging technology and it would be Mark Hamill. Right. Holy shit. (laughs) That's all I can say. Like, I'm glad we don't, like, I'm glad we don't record immediately after the episodes come out. Because I wouldn't have been, I know for a fact, because I recorded for Patreon immediately after, and then I jumped on Steele's immediate reaction live stream, and I didn't know what to say. And to be completely honest, I'm going to wrestle with it now. <laughs> like, oh. As soon as the solo X-Wing showed up at the end, I was like, that's probably Luke Skywalker. Like, in my mind, it flashed that it could have been... Um, Who's the the other rebel pilot with Dave Filoni? Uh, I can't. Uh, Carson. His name is Carson. Carson, I believe. I I at first I was like, you know, that's where my mind went. The very first, I was like, surely, you know, that's just who I've seen in X Wing in the Mandalorian. Uh, but then I was like, no, that's got to be Luke. That's got to be Luke Skywalker. And then sure enough, you see the cloak walking down the hall. You're like, yep, 
Yep, yep, yep, yep. So, and then green lightsaber, oh. whipping ass. Like you said, the choreography was perfect because it was just like a calm, collected Jedi master using his lightsaber. It wasn't crazy flourishes or you know super anime. Like it was just like a regular dude whipping ass, and he did like calmly. He crushed the last one. He brought one to him. He pushed a couple away. You know, he was very in control of the force. Um, so I, I'm glad you mentioned it because when that X-Wing showed up, I also had the brief thought that maybe it was that X-Wing pilot and we were going to see the Republic show up. Right. To, especially with them announcing the Rangers of the New Republic spinoff show, right? I thought maybe that would lead into it. But no, no, sir. They went there. And like, since the Ahsoka episode, when... You know, they were, she was talking about like, hey, you got to take him to this seeing stone and he can reach out with the force and maybe he'll contact somebody. And, you know, it, there's not many Jedi out there, like obviously because that, of the that era. That was a harder hint than I, I took it. If that Because now I can see the hint that, you know, but that I was like, surely not, not Luke, you know, surely not. Well, I mean, to me, because of the era we are in in the timeline, like, I think most people immediately at least consider Luke, right? Because he's right, out there. Right. Well, and everybody's going to say, that's who it has to be. Like, it has right. to be. And then, you know, we bandied about, like, wouldn't it be crazy if it was Mace Windu? You know, there was also, you know, a group of people thinking, like, Ezra, you know, Cal Kestis from Je Jedi Fallen Order was thrown about. Right. Could it be a new character? Could it be a dark side character? All these, you know, things go around. And like, but to me, like, you know, Luke had to be a possibility, but there was just this, this CGI George Lucas boulder in the way of like, but if it's Luke, how do they do it? And like, I was firmly in the belief that whoever the Jedi that got the call was would be the cliffhanger. Like, we would get a hint, and then this, the episode would end. You know what I mean? Like, like they would probably rescue Grogu or whatever, and then it would cut to the Jedi who got the call, and then that would be the tease for season three. No. They full-on went there. I just... They did. They really did. <clears throat> um, And like, like I was saying earlier, I think people's mileage on this will definitely vary just on what you're looking for in star Wars, but to add all these crazy pieces and it to come together as cohesively as it did and make as much sense as it did. Pretty impressive, pretty impressive. This is what, you know, 11 or 12 year old me has wanted to see since the end of the first time you saw return of the Jedi, right? Like, I have been wanting to see these moments for a long, long, long time. And it took me this long to get them. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. This is the resolution. This is what some of those people wished that, uh, you know, the force awakening and the last Jedi would have been, you know, but it, there's no way with that long of time, it could have never been something like this, but we actually got to see it. You know, my, the, the inner 12 year old in me is screaming like, Oh my God, that's so awesome. Cause it is, it's awesome. Like I have wanted to see that for a long time and I finally got to. 
Yeah, and, the and confident Luke Skywalker, this is the thing. whipping it's, ass Jedi it's, Master. It's an era appropriate. You know what I mean? Like right. to me, you can and you can love the Luke in this episode and love Luke in the Force Awakens in the sequel trilogy, because right. there's so much time in between. And to Absolutely. me, the portrayal of Luke in both eras is era appropriate. You know what I mean? Like. Right. It just makes sense to me. Like, yeah, of course Luke was off doing badass Jedi shit in between the movies. Like, he hasn't had the fucking crushing defeat of everything that goes down with Kylo slash Ben right. at this point. And, like, and that's a big that's a big deal. Like, <clears throat> any Star Wars fan, in mind is instantly going, oh, well, what happens to Grogu? Like... Is he killed in the massacre at the Jedi Temple? Does he leave before then? So, I think, you know, I think that will be something a lot of people sort of talk about. And, like, to me, this is one of those, the easiest explanation is the correct explanation, is that, for some reason, Grogu is no longer there when that goes down. Right. right. Whether right. that be whether that means like once again someone f uh, figures out something bad's gonna down go down and takes him away at the last minute, sort of like what happened with him, you know, before Order sixty six. Right. Or he might even see it coming. Right. He tries to warn Luke. Or you know, there's going to be something that happens that that gets him out of there. They don't. They're not going to introduce this character. And to be honest, like they may not even have it completely nailed down yet. I would be surprised if they didn't, given how well elements from season one of The Mandalorian paid off in season two. Like it seems like they're thinking about this pretty far ahead, right? But you don't introduce this beloved character then to then just the explanation is oh, he died off screen. Yeah. In, in... Well, I have a theory that he's the next Yoda, right? Grogu is the next Yoda. Like, they have plans to make him, you know, Yoda died, right? Yoda can't keep coming back as a force goes to these people that never knew him, but you can create a new Yoda. Right. There needs to be a Yoda in Star Wars 10, 11, 12. And, you know, if you advance from this time to there, it will be age appropriate enough to where he can be at least adolescent or... Well, and think about this. If you you have this, you know, cre this this character that can live for hundreds of years, right? Right. If you want to do a Star Wars story set 400, 500 years after The Mandalorian, you can have You'll Grogu. You'll still have Grogu. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then you have that character connected to luke skywalker who spent time with luke skywalker who spent time with the mandalorian like you you have this anchor to previous stuff while still having new stuff around him right right and then also think about this think about how badass this would be ray and grogu that's what i was thinking like i, I was thinking <clears throat> grogu was made for ray and the following jedi to have you know exactly so like uh I think anybody who's like legitimately worried about Grogu dying when Luke's Jedi temple gets destroyed, like I, I don't think you have anything to worry about, right? Like I think he's going to be okay. Right. That would be a huge misstep to just kill Grogu off off screen. In, 
what I was thinking is like, there has to be a reason Luke is suspicious and, you know, looks in on Kylo's dreams, right? What if Grogu warns him and he's like, look, you know, your pupil has fallen to the dark side. I'm out of here. <coughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of fascinating ways. You need to save the rest of your pupils. Yeah. And, and like, I don't think, also, for the record, I don't think they throw that line that Din has where he's like, we'll see each other again, I promise. Oh, yeah, that was there for a reason. Yeah, these characters will reunite. There is a reason for that, absolutely. Um, I honestly don't think we can't rule out, like, the series and all this connected shit as a whole sort of ending with them back together in some way. Right. Like, how do you explain that? Like, I don't know. But if you asked me last year, how do you explain Luke Skywalker showing up and killing a bunch of video game troopers? I wouldn't have had an answer for you then. That's yeah, above right. my pay grade. Would you really put that in perspective? Okay, so... I, I like the explanation that they're third generation dark troopers and uh, they're yeah, fully it, droid. Are full, I absolutely meant to sort of look into this before we recorded, but it was it slipped my mind. I feel like that lines up with the video game depiction too. Like I feel like there were people in suits and then as it progressed it became just full on droids. And I'm pretty sure that's there, how it worked. There was something about them that was legitimately robotic and kind of horrifying. Um and I'm not just talking about the scary face, like something about <coughs> their movement was mm -hmm. like crate like kind of terminator like. Yes. It wasn't like you know how some droid like K2SO is fairly fluid you know, as as well as see through, like there was something robotic and sinister about their movements. Now, I'm glad you brought up that Terminator analogy because as we were watching the episode and Din and the Dark Trooper are fighting, like Jesse turned to me and she's like, "It's the Terminator," and it she is. was, and I th I think she was right on the money with that. Now, as is lo in love as I am with this episode, there were a couple of things that like maybe weren't my favorite okay okay i'll say this when the episode started and i don't mean the opening scene with slave one you know chasing the imperial shuttle and the stuff that went down on the imperial shuttle i mean when they got to the planet and met up with bo katan and um costco bar fight well just that whole scene like i was a little worried at first because it felt a little I don't know, stiff and weird. There was just something a, a slight bit off. And I was just like, I don't know. And and probably part of it, to be completely honest with everybody, was that I didn't like the whole antagonistic angle Bo-Katan took against Boba Fett. And, right. And I, think like, it's a, I think it's on a personal level for you. I will say you yeah. have to resolve that somehow. Mm -hmm. Like at some point in the story. Like if, okay, so if Boba Fett is not a Mandalorian... You know, you have to re for the crowd that's not necessarily sure. You got to let them know that he's not really a Mandalorian. Like the armor belongs to him, but a Mandalorian he is not. And he, you know, he's like, I never said I was. You know. Yes. And then, yeah, I, I do not like the confrontational nature of Bo-Katan at that point. Well, she's you know? being kind of shitty to the dude. Like they're coming to her for help. They have information she needs, right? And yeah. she just wants to talk shit to him about being a clone. Like, I don't know, man. 
regardless of that, like, so at first I was like a little worried. I had no reason to be because it, it smoothed out fairly quickly after that. Right. My second slight criticism, and I am I'm probably going out on a limb here because we're talking about someone who has done fucking A1 phenomenal work on this show so far. I do not like the techno music that they that Ludwig Gorenson did for the Dark Troopers. Oh, really? It was the epitome of what I don't want to see in Star or hear in Star Wars music. Meaning like we talk about it all the time, right? Where <coughs> I don't want modern music in Star Wars. I feel like the movies are sacred. Mm-hmm. Right? I feel like the movies should always have instrumental score. I don't so much mind the different kinds of music. Now, I don't want to hear modern pop songs or rock songs like. <coughs> right. And this. You know what I mean? Like, I, to I've me, heard this, Beastie Boys in Star Trek. Right. I don't want. I don't need, you know. To me, this veered too close to that. But, I you. you know, I'll probably be in the minority here. But, you know, just something I was thinking. Hey, our special guest just texted me. I'm going to add him to the call real quick. We'll be right back, Please guys. Please do. All right, guys, our special guest is here. And, and let me tell you a little story about this special guest. A story I'm sure you guys all know. But mm, three plus years ago, this guy, he had an idea. And when this guy has an idea, he runs with it. And when he, when he runs with it, he makes it a thing. And if we've learned anything over the past five years of new Star Wars content, it's that sometimes patience is key perfect example of that is me thinking oh of course the first star wars spinoff movie they're gonna do is boba fett that ain't happened project started they got canceled what happened this year it paid off well what happened for this guy who came up with a little slogan called ignite the green boy did that shit pay off it's our buddy steel saunders and we are so stoked to have him with this with us this evening Uh, hey Hawes. hey will i I feel like that thing you just said could have been like if i if i went to a therapist it was like <laughs> when this guy starts a thing he goes too far with it that's how i interpreted it but, um, that's my own hey will how you doing man good how are you i am good whenever i hear will's voice i feel like i'm listening to a podcast <laughs> <laughs> i don't get much time um, i don't get much face time with will and i do i, I i've got a set you know obviously we've got to talk about star wars but um, remind me, Will, I have been looking forward to this for like two months. Hawes books these guest spots very early. It's annoyingly organized. And the whole time I'm like, yeah, I'm going on the last, you know, the, the finale. I can get, I, I just want Christmas cooking tips. I've, I've got a few questions. Oh, absolutely. I think we but, do. Uh, I'm, I'm so deathly afraid of Will having to step away, um, you know, to take care of the kids. I think you guys you knock it out now. Because why not? Cooking with Will. Oh, no, I'll do it, I'll, I'll okay. do it later on. I've okay. got, I've got I, my heart's not in it at the moment. We've got to ease got to, into it. We've got to work into it. Well, I've got, I've got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for real. With, with my um, green ignited um, saber. I, um, so I watched it today. And I just, it, I, I can't watch it in reality. Oh, I, know. I think I'm really tired as well. I'm yeah. jet lagged from not flying because I stayed up editing that bloody video till like five in the morning. 
and then woke up for Harry at like seven, got him um, where he needed to go by 8.30 and then had a little nap. But I sort of like when I got home this morning after dropping Harry off, I was too amped to sleep again. (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. So let me ask you something. This is there's been this phenomenon this year specifically that I have experienced that I think you now have some experience with where you know we we record these podcasts every week we gain a following we gain listeners they know what we're into mm-hmm. and then when that thing pays off you are inundated with congratulations, how are you doing? I hope someone's checked on steel. I hope someone's checked on halls. Like, like I know for me, as soon as the episode was over, I legitimately called you, not to guss about the episode, but just to check on your well-being. Ah, so I've got a story about that. Okay. And I, I, now, listen, I tell this story. I, I don't need you to go down one of your little shame spirals. Uh-oh. <laughs> Here we go, Will. Okay. We're going down Uh-oh. the shame spiral. It's fine. Like, like it, it's totally, like, I don't even think it's a thing, but I, I know you, and I know you'll be like, oh, buddy, I'm sorry. Um, I had to stop the episode before Luke, thankfully, to go check on Harry and get him back to sleep. Oh, no. So I had it on pause. And then the phone starts like your phone, like you can hear it on the reaction video, like the vibrate of your phone. And I'm just, and I just, because I just flipped it. I saw it was you, and I'm like, okay, so he would have just finished it. So I just flipped the phone so I could see no texts from people or anything, and um, went about my business. Oh, and, buddy, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm I'm going to go into a shame spiral about about telling you now, but um, just insane. What what, what did you think, Will? I, I'm sure everyone else has heard what you said, but um, uh, yeah, my mind was just completely blown after I saw it uh, because I watched it today. I made it a point to on the big TV and being the finale and all, and uh, I was just blown away. Like I couldn't believe they went there, and when I did, I was really impressed that they did. And then right here before we got on this evening, I watched the, the last half of it just so I could hear everything really well, what everybody said. And uh, it, it makes perfect sense. It's really well done. Uh, it's exactly... My main point is, like, my 12-year-old self inside is screaming in joy because I've wanted to see, you know, at, at that moment since the Return of the Jedi ended from the very first time I saw it. I was like, well, what happens after that? What does Jedi Master Luke do after that? And so now I finally get to see him whip an ass, and that's just really satisfying and gratifying. It's just too much. It's just <laughs> too much. Yeah. Uh, just wait there. My Jackie is here. Um, she's been uh, just a warning, language warning for everyone. She's just been downstairs for Christmas drinks. And um, <laughs> hey. <laughs> no, no language warning needed on Blue Harvest. Can Come on, see me or no? they they can't see. You. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jackie. I'm to say 
All right, wait there. I'll, I'll unplug this. Hawes wants to say hello. What are you unplugging? The headphones. Say hello now, Hawes. Hey, Jackie. Hello, Hawes. Uh, how and are you? Will's on, on the line too. He's going to give me some um, cooking tips for Christmas pretty soon. I am. So I got Steelers V last year for Christmas. Uh-oh. Oh, that's a good gift. Uh, thank you. Who said that was a good gift? That was Will. Good one, Will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Will, he's used it fucking once. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm telling you, there's a, there's a fucking draw in our oh, kitchen. Oh, Jesus. Oh, do I need to be careful? No, I not at all. No. <laughs> I, I think you should be care- careful standing up. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, use my language, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, listen. Do you, mean, do you mean the cursing or the slurring? Listen, hey, there's a draw in our kitchen of whatever bags that of, come with a, the sous vide. Of bitterness. Hey, listen, you used it once. We'll fix that. We had tender meats coming for the, <laughs> for the next year. Nothing. You used it once. You discarded it. That's it. Nothing was tender. Nothing was meaty. Nothing. Gone. 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 Hey, do you know what I'm looking forward to? What? Your shame spiral tomorrow when you remember you went on the podcast. Hey, no one can see me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you. Well, I'd, I'd say you don't need it. In your marriage, all you need is probably what you got already, but it, it could make it fun. If you like to sous vide stuff, it's it's fun, and I can help you fix the fact that you don't use it. Well, I was. I, I it, As part of the cook... He co- can fix it, Steele. He can fix it. Oh, I'm glad <laughs> someone can fix something. Um... <laughs> um... I, I, I did. I was going to hit you up for some sous vide um, advice later on. A fucking year later. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I got it for you last year. Better late than never. Okay, well, he's positive. At least he's positive. <laughs> I think you, you'd be testing a positive about now. <laughs> okay, so listen. Am I talking to the chef? Yeah. All right. So, I'm really proud of my eggnog. Oh, God. Okay. Steel has, okay, so Steel has been making it for himself. Because production hasn't been going fast enough. No, no, enough no, 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 no. All right. Listen, I'm upset, and I'll tell you why. Okay. He makes the eggnog, and he puts it in the fridge. I have the egg whites ready and I'm going to whip them up and I'm going to make them frothy and I'm going to fold it into the nog. Right. And he's like, you know what, Harry's sleeping. I'm just going to have the nog as it is. And I okay. think that's deplorable. <laughs> I think you have the nog as the nog is meant to be drunk. It's probably better that way, to be honest. Which way? The way it's meant to be drunk, with the egg whites folded in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But you don't take shortcuts with the nog. But if it's that good, you may want to just drink it straight without having to worry about it. I can understand well, that. As well. What about this? So you've got like nog as it was meant to be, great. But then your option is just drinking eggnog anyway, 
mm-hmm. without the froth and keeping your son asleep? How do you how do you rate those options? See, no. see that's hard. That's a hard one to slice okay. because you know. No, who is this guy? He's against me. I don't like him. <laughs> I just know the danger of waking up a sleeping child. All, all of Will's cooking. Yeah, this, this guy has no respect for yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. All, all of Will's cooking advice is going to be just put in lots of garlic. <laughs> oh no, this guy is not for me. <laughs> Will, I'm very happy to meet you, and I'm sure that you are lovely, but we don't agree. I, I'm sorry that we don't. I'm sorry too. I'm sure we'd be great friends, but because I think you're probably a really good. Uh, Chef yourself. Thank you. See, Steel, you don't appreciate me the way that he can. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an excellent chef. I have no doubt. Steel All you have to do is care about it. And Wait. Care. Steel has been going into business for himself with the Nog. The way that he separates the eggs, deplorable. Oh, no. It's a disgrace. How it's do you like do it? Thing. I just grab them out <laughs> in a fist and, and, just shake, and just shake the whites off. It's good fun. It's upsetting. You know, how I guess whatever gets the job done. No, unacceptable. No, I disagree. <laughs> don't, don't poke <laughs> the bear, Will. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> All right, well, um, our little boy's asleep. Am I getting kicked out? Yes. What are you talking about, Mandalorian? Yeah. Yeah, well, I haven't seen it. Well, that's why. Okay, but should we talk about... Oh, my God. Anything else or no? We should get back to the Mandalorian. Can I weigh in at all or no? Well, you haven't... Spoiler. I'm not telling you. What is that noise? I don't know. I don't hear a noise. Uh, I might have to plug in these headphones with her. Get rid of it. All right. Night, Jookie. Yes, surly Jook. (laughs) Yeah. That was magical. Your wife's really nice. She's funny. Yeah, she's one of those two. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Nothing. Tell me. Will said, your wife's really nice. She's funny. And I said, she's at least one of those two. Well, excuse me. <laughs> I will just tell you. There is low tide in the morning, and we need to be at San Onofre early, so listen. All right, surf's up, buckaroo. No, but we're leaving at, like, 6.30, 7 a.m. All right, we'll, low we'll... tide. Listen. We're going to be there for low tide. Okay. Do you have a boo-boo? I had a boo-boo. <laughs> Don't wake Harry up. Um. Yeah, we're not getting. We're not leaving at six thirty. No. No. All right. 
that was unexpected but beautiful well it's been the um the day for it i think i learned so much about nog I didn't know you could get so offended by it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just—I'm not here for these rituals. I just, I just want to consume it, you know. <laughs> it's funny. It's—it's—it's it's, it's an ongoing story. I've heard about this nog over the past couple of weeks now, and like uh, a, a critical piece of the nog story is now going to be contained in Blue Harvest episode two eighty two. The. The nog with black coffee, my God, that is just a combo. Homemade nog, it's mm. got to be. I don't but, think I've um, ever had homemade eggnog. It's the best. You've never had it? That's I, all I've ever had. I've yeah. I've, had the, I, like, I know there's that Simpsons, the Homer Simpson carton version, but... um, Yeah, the uh, Southerners just get the carton. Very rarely do they make it from scratch. It's just not a Southern thing. Yeah. Good times. So, where were we before the Nog saga and the sous vide saga began? I got no idea. (laughs) Okay, okay. So, we were talking about Luke Skywalker. We were talking about Ignite the Green, how crazy it was. Will was talking about, like, how his 12-year-old self wouldn't, like, this is what his 12-year-old self wanted to see, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, mm. Um, I just when that X-wing rocked up, it was just you know everyone was the same, but it was it was like, is this happening? Are you going to go through with this? And, um, and they did. And uh, Will brought up a really cool point when we were we were talking earlier, like before we were recording and and during the recording, like. I feel like they could have taken you have this opportunity, right? To bring in Jedi master Luke Skywalker five or so years after return of the Jedi, the approach to that you could take to him being in the show could be very, for lack of a better term, like sort of video gamey. You could take the force unleashed approach. It could be very (coughs) sort of cartoony, but the way they approached it was like, cool calm collected jedi master and i think it was pitch perfect at least for me yeah i like you know the the effects like i can't even judge them right you know what i mean like it's like who am i to judge guys who am i to judge (laughs) and i'm just happy it's there like and I, i was the same with tarkin i was like well I don't know. It looks pretty good to me, and I'd rather have him there than not. Right. So, yeah. Um, uh, you know uh, what I'll say about that is that the uncanny valley is there. Like my brain can still recognize that that's not, you know, legit person. That it's recreated. That it's computer. But I will say it's the best that I've seen yet. It is really. It's better than to me the stuff in Rogue One. It's better than any of the de aging stuff that Marvel or Disney has done so far. I, I thought it was pretty damn good. Yeah, and the voice. The voice is what I'm oh, still blown voice, away I, with. Yeah, right? Because I was like, that can't be Mark Hamill. But sure enough. And the fact that they didn't they didn't have him talk too much. They didn't focus on his face too much when he was talking. Like, 
it seems yeah, like the camera they, didn't stay on his face too long. That's another that thing that yeah. really worked out for them. I feel like they made a lot of the right choices. Right. There, there was occasionally like his eyes would just click perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just a few times where you're just like, oh, wow. But um, I know what you're talking about. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like I was in a car crash, and during the car crash, Luke Skywalker was there. <laughs> it's kind of like a dream. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I just, I can't wait to watch it, like awake. <laughs> the whole season feels kind of like a dream. Um, the the theme for the whole season to me is like. Okay, oh, guess we're going there. We're going to go yeah. there now. Yeah. Like, because mm-hmm. that's just how I felt after every episode. I was like, oh, we're going straight for Boba Fett, the first episode. Okay. Yeah. And, like, wh- what kind of, like, so you guys remember leading into The Mandalorian when they did the interview with Dave Filoni and John Favreau from, like, the set, and they were basically like, you know, we kind of wanted to make a show that was like us in our backyard playing with our star Wars toys as a kid and what better, obviously the Luke scene is a, is a big example of that, but also like the opening with slave one chasing, uh, an Imperial shuttle. Yeah. Uh, Oh my God. I, I just, I just tweeted about that right there. I've got a tweet. There's a tweet for everything. Um, The opening scene of the Mandalorian finale is what you'd put together when you went to your rich friend's house to play in 1984. <laughs> exactly. Right? You go over to the kid's house that has the Imperial shuttle and Slave One, and you bring, like, well, you're like, hey, I got uh, I got a Boba Fett figure and a couple of Imperial gunners. Let's do this. Oh, <laughs> and do you, know, do you know the other thing um, that's like – for what it was like for me anyway, I never had Jabba the Hutt. So Bib Fortuna, my most loathed Star Wars character, by the way, used to stand in for Jabba when I'd oh. reenact Return of the Jedi. And um, he, he'd, he'd gone through with it in that um, in the little epilogue. How crazy is it that he has his Kenner staff in that scene? Oh, dude, I didn't even see that. Um, I'm... I'm did you hear him say McClunky? <laughs> I, 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 I am not going to, I will miss a staff, Will, but I will not miss a McClunky. That is the, <laughs> that is the Steel Saunders promise. I got to say, I'm, I'm surprised that uh, Bib Fortuna got off the meth because he put on some weight and unless he's sprinkling that shit on cheeseburgers, I think he kicked the habit because my dude's looking thick. That was his favorite thing about Jabba the Hutt, his sheer girth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we haven't even talked about that yet. Um, I I do wonder how many people are going to miss the after credit scene. Like, I feel like oh. they kind of built in this idea of sticking around for the credits of The Mandalorian because of concept well, I mean, art. It's, it's all on demand. I mean, they're going to read the article about, did you see the end of credits? And mm-hmm. I'll just go pull it back up. Wait, Hawes, what did you say they built up to watch the credits? How? With having the concept art in the previous episodes of The Mandalorian. Yeah, like, but, but it still goes dark. Yeah, I know. I know. I was saying even without that, yeah. like, and, and the fact that there was no concept art in this episode either, like, I, I do wonder how many people will be like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, wow. Mark Hamill's in the credits. That shit was crazy. And then 
turn the episode off. Now, like Will said, obviously, you know, like when I texted Will this morning, I was like, hey, man, the finale is amazing. Stay far away from spoilers. You will be spoiled. And there's an after credit scene. You know, yeah. like I just, you know, a couple people I talked to today, I was like, make sure you watch the after credits. <clears throat> it's an interesting choice. And, you know, it's one of those things like, I don't know. It's weird. I've kind of always expected them to do it at some point because it became such a thing with Marvel. And then just out of nowhere, they did it. Um, do you guys want to hear my crazy theory about the after credit scene? Uh, yeah. I, I, I just, before you say that, just on, on the missing of it, mm-hmm. like I, I've on my, um, the YouTube comments, people like, oh yeah, a lot of people doing reactions. They didn't see it. Well, like, and it's like, well, why would you watch to the end? Like what? Like normally the window at the end of the credits goes into this tiny little ball and then it tries to play you Disney gallery, the Mandalorian. Like what's the, like there's, there's, there is not this culture. Yeah. Like there's no precedent. Let us stay and enjoy the credits. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're doing a reaction video. Like, so you're just like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm going to do an immediate reaction video like three minutes after it finishes though. Cause I, I need to see like the key grip. It's uh, come <laughs> on. I want to know who the best boy is. What is that best boy? Are they fight for that. Is that, is that like the dark saber who gets to be the best boy? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So my theory about this after credit scene was that it was probably filmed fairly recently. I kind of wonder if they filmed that maybe when they started production on the book of Boba Fett, as we know it to be now. Um, just because I don't know. I don't even know why, to be honest, why I have this theory. I just think <clears throat> maybe partially to keep it secret, partially because, you know, they probably built the Jabba's throne room set specifically for the, the Boba Fett show. So I kind of feel like maybe that was filmed. And maybe we'll get an answer to that uh, next week when they do the Disney Gallery special, uh, which I cannot wait to see. I think that's going to be pretty crazy. Um, I wonder how the book factors in. Like, what element of it is the book of Boba Fett? I don't know. You know, like, does he write a code? Does Is this someone telling his story? You know, like, I'll be interested to know. I kind of wonder if it's, and this is where my brain immediately went seeing the title, is is it a play on that movie, The Book of Eli, with uh, Denzel Washington that came out I mean, a few years ago? I mean, the play there is like he's, oh, I don't want to spoil that, um, that movie if somebody hasn't seen it, I guess, but like, there's a biblical, like he's carrying a Bible, right? Like, I think so. It's been a while. I've only seen it so once. But that's a play on a book in the Bible. Right. Um, well, I, I thought it was a reference to the chapters. So, okay. So are no, that you, makes sense. Are you of no, the belief that, totally that season three of the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett are the same thing? Yes. Okay. So I have my doubts and I'll tell you why. So I actually pulled up the article from, uh, early in November this year from deadline deadline were the first, as far as I could find today, the first sort of outlet that broke that there was going to be a Boba Fett spinoff and that uh, 
it was potentially shooting very soon. And in this article on Deadline, uh, I'll put the link in the show notes in case anybody wants to, to check it out. From what they understood was that season three of The Mandalorian was happening, but it wasn't going to start production until potentially like spring or summer next year because first they were doing a Boba Fett spinoff. That's cool. So if that is the case, then I think it might be two different things. I think we might get the book of Boba Fett and then Mandalorian season three, right? Now, if it's the same thing, if season three and the Mandalorian are the same and the Boba Fett show are the same thing, does that mean we're leaving Din for a little while? That we're not going to explore his, his his story further? I don't really know. I they were talking about how like um Iga in an interview a while back was saying like oh you know we can this story it can go off in different directions then come back to the original premise and stuff. So it feels like they're just um, going to be doing that. Yeah. And who knows, maybe they'll retroactively call the first two seasons, the book of Din Djarin or something, right? Like maybe that's how, cause like, you know, Marvel has their phases and the, the first, you know, few say phases are sort of grouped together as like the infinity gauntlet saga or whatever. Right. So maybe that's what we're looking at. Like it could be that as well. Um, and the other thing that kind of stuck out to me in retrospect, obviously, is how during the investors thing last week, Kathleen Kennedy said the next chapter will be debuting. Oh, that crafty woman <laughs> will be de- debuting December or, or Christmas 2021. And to me, that makes me wonder if like they very carefully chose that phrasing Oh, of yeah. not saying season three of the Mandalorian. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? So it'll be interesting to see. I think we'll probably get answers to that sooner rather than later than that, now that it's an- out there. Right. Like I think, yeah, cause it's such a question that. that's going around right now. I think we'll, we'll get an idea of um, what exactly the approach is going to be. Now, another thing that I saw that was interesting, I, I saw this right before Will and I started recording, is Brendan Wayne, one of the uh, stunt doubles for Din Djarin, was on Instagram and was basically like, wow, what an amazing episode. And to all the haters that thought Pedro wasn't going to come back for, for, you know, come back to play the Mandalorian, you don't know how wrong you are, or something to that effect, right? <clears throat> so... I don't know, man. I, I, I With everything... So if Boba Fett is separate and season three of The Mandalorian is separate and we have two spinoff shows that are separate, like, there's a lot coming that is apparently all going to interconnect in one big final event eventually. Mm. There's a whole lot in the future. Um, and, like, it's... It, they're definitely going to be into a point where it's not one live action show a year it'll be impossible with just the mandalorian related stuff and then everything else they announced we're going to be in a marvel situation where it's you know all uh, several live action shows per year well you know preferably 
I, I, I'd probably say they want one a quarter. Right. Well, you know, and, and obviously I think everything getting delayed because of COVID has something to do with this, but like, you know, Marvel's kicking off their Disney Plus live action stuff in January, right? And then mm-hmm. I think in March, the next show comes out, and then in May, the show after that comes out. No so, way, really. Yeah. So it's like WandaVision, uh, Winter Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then Loki, sort of one after the other, right? I think we will probably be in a position with that <clears throat> within, with Star Wars before we know it. Right with everything that's been announced and two concurrent spinoff shows, three if Boba is a spinoff and not season three of The Mandalorian. And like, I think, you know, I, I've also seen some questions of like, well, what's left to tell in Den's story now that Grogu's gone? And like, it's I don't so know. Many. Yeah, I like mean, that's the point of writing. Like, you know, his story goes direction now. I mean, they set themselves up for a of Mandalore. Well, you know, different Mandalore actions fly, and they could make Din Djarin assuming the mantle of Mandalore as he's already saver and an Italian. Yeah. And be your best guard. You know, he he is the walking Mandalore at the moment, whether anyone else recognizes it. Yeah, like that's the thing. There's the to me, that's you're exactly right. That's where the story goes now is retaking Mandalore. Now, whether we take a little break and explore other stories leading into that, you know, that could happen. It'll be interesting to see. It's such an interesting approach for a show that has been so popular and successful them right for them, right? to possibly veer off in these other directions before coming back to this? I feel like there's a guaranteed dissociation between him and the way the, uh, what is it, Death Watch, the way of the children of the Watch. Like, I don't know if he will be one by by the time he's Mandalore. You know what I mean? Like, No, I think... I always say one. I think we've definitely, throughout this season, sort of seen his devotion to those ideas, like waver at least a wait i mean he's taken his helmet off twice now like the funny thing that i was gonna say about that is like didn't pedro pascal said oh i spent way more time on set for this one than last season i was like oh so instead of one you were in two days like no i think he was I just thought it was funny i think he was in in the suit quite a bit more this season because he didn't have the same filming commitments that he did for season right. one that was the whole problem with season one was he was already committed to you know i got be- no problem with him not being in the suit you know when he's not taking his helmet off like you know i I mean you you want like a martial artist or a gunslinger you know the two guys you want them in the suit when it's not pedro i would think when he's not taking his helmet off well and but i i also see the and no disrespect to you know his stunt guy his two stunt guys but like i also see the benefit of having an actor of pedro's uh you know ability in the suit to emote through body language and stuff. Like, I think you do get a little more out of the performance when you have someone like him in the suit as well. He's <laughs> trained in a lot of that stuff too. Like a lot of the tactical whatnots. Yeah. Um, Steel, what would you think? Do you think we see Luke again? 
throughout any of these shows, any of these spinoffs? Do you think Luke comes back or do you think this is a one one time holy shit type moment? Like maybe in the endgame one. Mm-hmm. Like um yeah, that's the only way I could um you know, because obviously he's very limited. Yeah. Um, you can't use him a ton. Yeah. The um the it, like amongst all this, um, one thing that I haven't heard anyone talk about is I, I I was always hanging out for the you know I always pictured the Mandalorian to have an ET ending. Yeah. And last night was a bit of an ET ending with him going with Luke. You know, you, you mm-hmm. thought he'd be going with other Grogu's. Are the Yodas, are the Yojus, if you will. <laughs> right. But um yeah, Din was Elliot there for a little bit. Oh man. And what like what a well done scene. Like Jesse and I were watching it again uh this afternoon, and we both sort of talked about it like as that scene was going on when he says goodbye to Grogu, like I didn't ex- expect it to uh, affect me as much as it did on the first viewing. And actually, I think it was a little worse because I already knew Luke was going to show up. You know what I mean? The The shock and awe of Luke showing up was a little lessened. So like the emotional stuff between Grogu and, and, um, and Din was so well done. And like Jesse was like, I don't know why it makes me so sad. It's a dude getting touched by a puppet. <laughs> and like it was so good though man and like uh, like i have to say you know like the, the the luke skywalker thing it's very um grandiose and like i i can't even like when i see people talk about how they like it shouldn't be you know they shouldn't be going back to these characters and stuff i see their point of view but hey listen you you go into you go into Sweet Green for a salad, and there's a KFC next door. <laughs> might just might just hit up that KFC. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I totally um, do. I uh, go for some gratification, but the um you, you had this you know such a like an unbelievably powerful moment. You know if if you're a Luke Skywalker fan with him turning up and and just wrecking shop, but then it just switches into this like deep character moment mm-hmm. with Din taking his helmet off. And, 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 and then you sort of get to revel in this two seasons of build up for this like really special moment and, you know, how these two characters have progressed. So I, I, I think sometimes people get too caught up in the whole, Oh, this character's back. This is like, but like they're also doing like really strong stuff at the same time. Yeah, and like, you know, we sort of mentioned it like leading into the season with all the rumors of who people of what people were going to show up. I totally understood people's nervousness about like that's a lot of folks. How are they going to pull this off? But how they pulled it off was they brought these people in and in my opinion, wove them into the story in a really satisfying manner. Where, like you're saying, like there's still this really compelling core story of him and Grogu and what they get mixed into while all this is going on. Like, I, 
I'm just really impressed with it. Because it would have been really easy to just do Luke and put a stamp on it there. But no, they went the extra mile and had this really nice moment between the two of them there at the end. And uh, it's sad. It's really well done. The music in this episode, besides the techno dark dark trooper stuff, is stunning. The music that plays uh, as Luke is Wrecking House is officially some of my new favorite uh, Star Wars music. No, the, the music that's like the Luke Skywalker riff when he goes, come here, little one, or whatever he says. Um, and it's just like the Luke Skywalker music sort of that I was mm-hmm. like, oh, because when I edit those um, videos, right, <laughs> you, you try to edit out, you, you try not to have big amounts of music like with, that aren't cut up because I, I feel like the algorithm like reads that. But but during that bit, I was like, nah, it's worth the risk. Yeah. Let it go. Let and it go. I don't know. This may be me putting my own thoughts into it, but there's this moment when Luke picks up Grogu and looks at him and there seems to be this sort of revelation that he's like, like us, holy shit, this is a baby Yoda. He makes this face like, holy shit, it's a baby Yoda, you guys. And I don't know if that was on purpose. Like I said, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. But if that was on purpose, a masterstroke. So good. <clears throat> um, I got to say, still not sold on the, the Dark Troopers like... The fight with Din and the Dark Trooper, it was really cool, like, the the gist of it. But, man, there's, the to me, some pretty rough CGI. And I, and I, I do think it comes down to they're too, shi- they're too shiny, they're not worn enough, so it makes them look sort of plasticky and fake or something. But when that Dark Trooper is, he punches Din in the face like 20 times, that was pretty brutal. I did not see yeah. that coming. I, I don't mind the Dark Troopers quite so much. Like, I think they're fairly menacing, like in that mechanical killing machine Terminator. Like, they don't move very clearly in a fluid human way, like the K2SOs. Like, right. they, they seem like murder machines. You know, like, they seem fairly menacing. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan. To be honest, I've got to be honest. Halfway through this episode, I was thinking this is this better pick up. <laughs> um, I, I the dark troopers were just yeah they weren't. I I I don't know. It was just it just seemed like s- super Battlestar Galactica. It does um, have a bit of a Cylon feel to it. Yeah, and then because Jedi can just waste massive numbers of them, it's kind of what's wrong with the droids in the prequel era as the enemy. Like, there's a little bit of, like, Jedis can just mow through, you know, armies of these things. Which make the Jedi look badass, and I guess that's satisfying to a certain degree, but it's not uh, quite as menacing, I guess, maybe? I don't know. Mm. Um, I just... I just keep going back to a couple of things when I think about this episode specifically. Like, I think about being at Star Wars Celebration last year and going to the Mandalorian panel and leaving, being very excited for the show and thinking, oh, we're going to get a guy in Mandalorian armor doing bounty hunter stuff, you know? And then we see the first episode and a baby Yoda shows up. 
And that just completely flips the script. And even after that, never expecting Boba Fett to show up, never expecting Bo-Katan to show up, never expecting Ahsoka to show up, and absolutely never expecting Luke to Luke show up. Skywalker. And like where this show in, in has ended up versus my initial like impressions or, or ideas on what the show is going to be. Like I thought it would be like, you know, a fairly small scale sort of focused story, but to see it just completely balloon out and have its tendrils and all sort of aspects of like what's going on in the galaxy at this time in the star Wars timeline is for me, very fulfilling, you know, like it's unexpected and fulfilling. And like, I, don't know how I could be happier with the show. It is one of my favorite Star Wars things of all time. It's quite a thing. It is quite a thing. And then the other thing I keep going back to is thinking about old Uncle George trying to get Star Wars Underworld off the ground a few years ago, you know, decade plus ago, and being like, we can't do this on TV budget. Like we can't do the kind of star Wars show I want to do on a TV budget. And then to see something like this pulled off, you know, relatively not that much later than when he was trying to do it. It's crazy. Um, I would love to get in his brain and see what he thought about I, this episode. I don't think you would like it. I mean, I think you would like what he thought about this episode, but I think he would have rather done it himself. I know he would have rather done it himself. Yeah. You know, I think it's easy to say that there's very complicated feelings when it comes to Star uh, Star Wars or the newer era of Star Wars and George Lucas. But I mean, the most recent article made a great point about how, you know, he chose his family. You know, he right. could have very easily sunk his entire life into making the next three movies, but he chose family over that. And that's, you know, that's a noble choice, you know, yeah. especially when you have so much already. Invested. It, it, it kind of, I can see where it's heartbreaking. You know, I I feel heartbroken for the guy that he had to make that choice. But you know, I would I would probably have made the same choice as him. And now it's open, you know, to be loved by other people still, just not necessarily how he would would have done it. But you know, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. <clears throat> and I really do like that they have him to the Mandalorian set. And I mean, come on, that picture of him holding Grogu is timeless at this point. Um, very true man I I can't wait to see where it goes from here like regardless of whether the Boba Fett show is season 3 or it's a spinoff or whatever like I just imagine like because I don't know that you can you go into season 3 of the Mandalorian and then shrink down again or do you have to keep raising the stakes what do you mean by raise the stakes like, what I mean by raise the stakes is compare season one of The Mandalorian to season two. Like, I think it's cl- very clear that the stakes were risen, you know? like All the stakes. Yeah. So how do you, how do you keep getting crazier? And, and is the answer to that is you shrink it down and make it more personal of a story and then build it back up into this big, crazy crossover event that they're going to do? I don't know. Um, yeah, a personal reckoning is coming. He's going to have to figure himself out who he is 
oh, and yeah. where he fits on the spectrum of Mandalorians. And he's going to have to answer for showing his face, you know, one way or another. Oh, yeah. I imagine that a big part of the story going to f- going forward is going to be him being torn in, in two directions. You know, this sort of creed he was raised under versus this new idea of being a Mandalorian that he's been introduced to this season. I think Bo-Katan, I don't know that she'll necessarily be a villain, but I foresee her, foresee her being an antagonist. Ad- going for yeah she was not stoked to see him having the dark saber well you know what like honestly she's been kind of duplicitous both times we've seen her you know if if she would have shared the fact that she needed to beat him in combat maybe mando would have tried to tie him up and wouldn't been so inclined to whip his ass but her trying to keep that from him is what lost her the saber i didn't even think about that and oh i don't think we can I think we got to touch on Giancarlo Esposito. Excellent in this episode. Oh, him, excellent. Him talking shit on that bridge after uh, Mando brings him in and, and you know, sort of laying out the, the backstory of the Darksaber and how it works. Like, I thought that was really Absolutely. good. Delighted. He was delighted yeah. to spoil the shit in their Wheaties. Like, he was happy as hell. Yes. That, that, that bit was so weird. Um... Like then he was, it was like I was just so confused. I'm like, why has all this happened so early in the episode? What's happening? Yeah, like, this is, um, like when he captured him, and I was like, this feels like I've only watched about twenty minutes. Um, and I was probably right, but it, it, it's like the the episode, like without the Luke bit, it's not. It's like a really unbalanced episode. Because you can't, like, it's the Luke bit is such a, like, has got such gravitational pull. Yes. That not knowing the Luke stuff is in it and watching it, I I was sort of just like, yeah, I don't know. There's something missing. Yeah. Like, like, this is, this story's progressing weirdly. And when, um, yeah, Giancarlo was captured halfway through the episode, I was like, what? What? Huh? But then, the X-Wing. <laughs> uh, you know, what I found fascinating to go back and sort of read uh, in relation to this episode was the Michael Arndt interview that happened shortly after The Force Awakens came out. You know, Mike, mm-hmm. Michael Arndt was one of the original writers on the force awakens before jj and lawrence kasdan took over and and he was sort of talking about in the process of deciding how to approach luke skywalker they kept running into this problem where like they felt like anytime luke skywalker shows up he immediately takes all the focus from the main characters of the movie Mm. right and you can kind of see that in this episode right yeah this episode proves that hypothesis now i don't think it proves it proves it to a negative effect like obviously i love it and i think it was really well done but i think it's the perfect example because as soon as that x-wing shows up like i'm laser focused on holy shit we're about to see luke and then we do and he's destroying droids he's igniting the green he's like (laughs) 
it's what like will said it's what we've wanted to see since we were kids but it's i think a really good example of what he was talking about in that interview um and, and that, that that's why um in those thrawn books they had to have that um what are those things called the um the grisk no the ysamilaria or oh, whatever yes yes the force uh negating lizards yeah, because he was just like he was now at a point that he was so powerful. It was like, well, what's going to stop this dude? Like, why doesn't he? Why isn't every problem solved? Right, and it also, to me, like validates the approach that they took with Luke in the sequel trilogy. Right, like I, I agree because if you look at this episode without the context of knowing what a Jedi is powers are and what he's capable of you could claim deus ex machina that he just shows up and saves everybody but like i mean that's what a jedi is you know he's a jedi knight a warrior monk like he has fantastical mystical power and you know if you see that all the time or he if luke shows up and is the only one that is that powerful you're not focused on the other characters and their growth right which i think you know, I think that's why you use them fleetingly. That's why I think exactly like like Steele said. If you just if if they had unlimited budget to have Luke Skywalker in the show as much as they wanted, like I don't necessarily think it would be the best choice for this very reason. But you have him show up to save the day and pick up Grogu. That's the perp- perfect application of Luke for me. Yeah, validly set up through the searching stone and the fact that what the fuck else are you going to do with Grogu? Right, okay, he really needs to be with a Jedi. <laughs> How the fuck are you going to solve that? I mean, <gasps> you know. I love that. What the fuck are you going to do with Grogu? Huh? <laughs> Tell me. Can't follow the damn Mandalorian around to be a killer. Um, Steel, what do you think the chances of us seeing Grogu and Din reunited somewhere down the line is? Oh, huge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think um, it's any time soon. It's anytime soon. I yeah. I, I um. Like I wonder if, like, will this is interesting. This is a um just to juxtapose it. You, you got this, like you got this uh, Boba Fett show, mm-hmm. book of Boba Fett, and then episode four or whatever. You know, you're on the podcast gushing because there was a cameo from Din. The Mandalorian was in Boba Fett. Right, right. Yeah. It just, it flips the script. Yeah, and I think, I think we're going to see that a lot going forward. And, you know, it, does Luke show up in the Ahsoka show? No. You don't I doubt so? it. For her not to specifically reference him already, you know, I, I doubt they meet. Yeah. For some reason. I don't know why. It just seems like the opportunity to have Luke and Ahsoka meet, like, to me, there's there's something very cool you could do there, right? Um, to have Luke meet his father's apprentice who knew Anakin. I mean, there is significant emotional weight there. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's it would have to be done right. Like, I'm sure it could be done, but... It's so it feels like it would be so delicate. Like yeah. it would be Well, is it any more delicate than having Luke show up to pick up a baby Yoda? I don't know yeah, that but, it's Yeah, but like a soak will be there telling about Anakin and Luke will just That's be what... he'd be looking back all dead eyed, going 
Well, they got a couple of maybe, years to work maybe on. Maybe Grogu wasn't necessarily close with Anakin. I don't think like, but you were talking about Anakin's a Padawan, like right. She would know him intimately. Right. Right. <clears throat> um, yeah, just real impressed. Just real impressed in general. Like I was mentioning to Will Will Steele before we started recording that I also had a little bit of a rough start with the episode and it wasn't the scene you know with um slave one and the imperial shuttle i loved that one of the imperial guys was one of the douchebags that you see on twitter sometimes that were like you know what i think the imperial i think the empire was right they had all they had total authority to use that death star and kill millions of people on alderaan um yeah i I, um you know this is all the forgotten stuff from the episode but I, i i thought his you know he's yeah, he's obviously wrong, but I, I, I thought his point of view was very interesting. Yeah, in an in-universe context, very interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. The <laughs> villain that believes themselves the hero. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I did have a rough start with the episode. I think maybe I got a little more comfortable with it a little faster. It was it was mainly the Bo-Katan, Sasha Banks, Boba Fett, Din Djarin stuff that I was a little iffy on at first. and. Even on oh, a second, I oh, see. So you didn't like Boba Fett getting teased. He was adopted. Well, it, well, it wasn't even so much that it was something about it felt a little stiff and weirdly delivered, like from everybody involved. I wouldn't even single out one person. Something about it just seemed a little it, weird. It was Cyclops versus Wolverine. It was Saturday <laughs> morning X Men. Cyclops versus Wolverine. It was like I don't know. It's so it feels stereotypical, but I don't have the words to put it there. You know, when when a group of heroes gets together and there's the anti-hero in there, he's always going to clash with the other, you know, the opposite personality. And then they're they're fine. They're going to go do whatever together. I just well, don't like you. It just <laughs> and now and I, I said earlier in the show, it is absolutely I am confirming my own bias here that the fact that they were like clowning on Boba. Yeah, I, <laughs> that was definitely part of it. You're 100% right. And it just, I don't know, it seemed like kind of a shitty way. Like, it wasn't even that she was clowning on him. It seemed like she was kind of clowning on him in a shitty way, right? Like, Yeah, like I said, it, it's one of the ways to reinforce that he's not a Mandalorian. You know, if you want to drive that point home, she sure does that. Like, he is, she, like, that guy is not accepted among the true Mandalorians. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, see, this is why I like it in retrospect is that the, all these characters aren't all black and white, right and, and wrong. Right. Like they're, they're, they're pretty nuanced. And, you know, you, you know, people sort of root for Bo Katan, but she's still got this point of view that you're going to disagree with sometimes as well. Right. Um, and, and I sort of liked the dynamics of. Like I, I'd sort of never really considered that they'd resent him because they'd, they'd treat him that he's not a Mandalorian because he was cloned. He's a copy, um, and 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 they resent him because they resent his, um, you know, clone brothers as they were. Yeah, but the whole thing <laughs> was like I've I've heard your voice a thousand times or something like that. It was like that's a good line. Like oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, we also need to keep in mind that when Bo-Katan is first introduced in the Clone Wars, she's a villain. She's working with Pre Vizsla. She turns mm. to a good guy. But, like, 
you know, Bo-Katan hasn't always been on the side, the right side of things from what we've seen, right? So I think that's also, you know, important to keep in mind. I did not know that, but it makes a lot of sense. I think I remember that now. It's been a while. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think. What what else to bring up? Uh, hey, so I was just clicking through. Um, I, I have to approve all these YouTube comments because uh-huh. I so I can't because I just can't have these like idiots on there posting stuff. And someone had posted on. I, I yesterday I posted up this one minute video about why I love the Luke theory. Mm-hmm. Like even if it doesn't, oh, it wasn't yesterday. It was the day before, before it came out. And it's my, it, it's like that. Even I don't think it's going to come true. <laughs> um, but I like that this show is so wacky that it's a possibility. Like I'm not an idiot for thinking it. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? And then someone underneath has written, "Nah, you're wrong." <laughs> and, and then I, I I only saw it because someone posted underneath that and wrote this aged well. <laughs> hey man, I I also have a didn't age well uh, tweet after that um, Disney investors call last week about them not announcing a Boba Fett show. Ah, uh, well that's remember I, I I'm sure I told you on one yep. of the podcasts. Yep. I was like, I reckon they're hiding it, buddy. I reckon they're hiding it. And you know what gave me hope about that is, um, you know, when they started it, they said, you know, they had 10 shows or over 10 shows coming to Disney+. And when you sat down and counted the projects they announced, there was nine of them. And I was like, oh, let number 10 be Boba Fett. And that appears to be the case. Man, what pull does Jon Favreau have to where he's like, hey... I know you guys are trying to uh, hype up the investors after, you know, a shitty financial year at Disney HQ, but uh, don't announce this because the next week we're going to do a big reveal. Like, that's pretty impressive. The man has got some vision. I don't know if you've watched this, but um, on Netflix, there's the movies that made us. And then they put up this this year, they put up the holiday movies that made us. And two of those that are on there are Elf and. uh, Oh, uh, oh shit, what's the other one? God, I can't remember. But anyway, Elf. And uh, the way he basically got that job was he in his first meeting, he was like, look, it's got to be a timeless classic. It's got to be a timeless classic, and the thing's got to be based on Rankin-Bass. Uh, and I forget what the second point was, but it's something really wholesome. Like, he's got to learn a lesson or something like that. I don't know. But like the fact that the man comes at something by wanting to make it a timeless classic you know i think that means he's got vision for what he wants it to be for how he wants it to be perceived and remembered and if that man has the ability to pitch which i assume has only improved with time uh, i can see him pitching to disney look i want luke skywalker he's coming back it's going to be great it's going to be tasteful you know it's going to be like i can just imagine him selling it yeah yeah and look i mean the dude helped launch the MCU, right? And now he's launched Star Wars live action TV on Disney Plus. Like, yeah, you got some pull with the company when you do those two things for them. There's no doubt about that. <clears throat> All right. So before we wrap up this evening and whatnot, uh, we got to get to the cooking questions, right? The, uh, 
the sous vide has to come into play. How are oh, we going down for cooking? Like, like Luke Skywalker, the sous vide is going to swoop in to save the day. We just got to figure out how to make it work into the story. Um, I don't know about working into the story, but one of the handy <laughs> ways to use it without, um, like using it to cook, like do meats and stuff, you can use it as hot holding. Like if you want to, you have several different side dishes, you put the side dishes in the bag, you seal the bag, and then you drop them in the sous vide, you set it at whatever you want to serve it at, usually like 160, 170, 170 degrees, and you just leave it, and all that food will stay precisely at 170 degrees. It won't overcook or be under there after a certain amount of time, and you can just open it and ready to go. Anything soup... Uh, mashed potatoes, like anything, even your vegetable side dishes that would just be in a dish. You can put all that in the sous vide. You can even make them ahead of time, flavoring and all, and just seal them up. And then when you're ready, put them in there. And uh, it'll all come to temp over a certain amount of time and then ready to go. Like you can put it all, all those bags in the water an hour before dinner, like maybe even less than that. It's been a while since I used mine. But you can use it to cook food. And one of the neat things to do is foods, you know, any pork, beef, chicken, you can cook it to the desired temperature, you know, 160, 165, and then you can pull it out and finish sear it in the pan. So it's never overcooked. It's always juicy and tender. And you can include different liquids and spices and herbs in when you seal it up. And the flavor is very intense because there's very little space for things to get away when it's sealed in the plastic. All right. So, so, so what should be cooking in this sous vide? What, what, what are your go-tos? Uh, usually steaks. I like to do steaks or pork chops, uh, in the sous vide. Okay, but, but isn't like, like the grilling of the steak, like part, part of, of it, like part of the I don't know, the, like the the romance that you can taste. It sure can. It's certain, you know, to a man like myself that really appreciates grilling outdoors, it is part of the mystique. You know, you know. I like using the grill. You know, I like tending the grill. I like cooking things on the grill. It makes me feel accomplished. You know, in certain places people live, they, it's too cold or too wet to go out in certain seasons or certain times of the year. And this is a good way to get one of the juiciest steaks you've ever had and still not have to use the grill. You know, you can use a cast iron skillet and put that that crust that you're looking for on the outside of it without having to worry about whether it's overcooked or not. Without having to use the grill. So how long do you have to cook a steak in the sous vide, though? It depends on the size of the steak, but uh, it usually takes... And again, uh, it depends on what temperature you set the water at. Uh, uh, should you explain what a sous vide is? A sous vide <clears throat> is uh, a mechanism that has a heating element, a self-regulating temperature gauge, like a thermostat, and it circulates water to whatever specific degree you choose. You choose 120 degrees, it'll heat the water to 120 degrees and maintain that temperature for as long as you tell it to, the machine. It may have a timer on it as well. And uh, you can go up or down in temperature. And then you can use it to heat things up or hold them hot, or you can use it to cook. Excellent. Now, listen, Will. Christmas Day. Yeah. This is how we do it in Australia. All, All right. right. I'm looking forward to this because I've watched some Christmas Bluey episodes. <laughs> um, leg of lamb roasted, right? Okay. 
Um, ham, roasted. Nice. Glazed. Nice. I like to like, you got to put sunglasses on to look at that bad boy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shame. And also um, like a pork. I'm not even sure what you call that. With a crackling, preferably. That's what I was going to ask, crackling. That's the thing that was in the bluey. I was like, is it very important to have like a, a pork barbecued or, yeah, well, or roasted know, dish with well, crispy crackling? Yeah, well, first up with the crackling, right? How do I obtain that in in America? How do I order? What are the words I have to use? Now, the the piece of meat you're talking about, or to order that type of the piece of meat. That, okay, uh, a butcher shop, a butcher shop or a grocery shop should have. Yeah, but what go- words am I saying? Oh, I you know I'm not familiar with the exact type of crackling, but it's probably either a pork butt or a shoulder. Um, which are the same thing technically, or it could be a rump roast. You know, I don't know. But what's the crackling called? Like it's the skin. I mean, the it's skin. the yeah. Okay. It's the skin that's been either basted or seared with uh, oil, and so it gets really, really crispy on the outside. All right. So I think I've you can do cra- it. I've got, I've, got, I've got the crackling pork. I've got. Um, the ham and the lamb, but I've only got one oven. Okay. Like, 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 is one of them I can cook early in the morning or the night before? Like, what, what's gonna do the best job? Depending on what kind of ham you have, uh, I would do the ham first. You know, lots of places sell honey baked hams that they're already cooked, and all you really got to do is bring it up to serving temperature. In that case, I would do. Um, maybe the lamb first, but if you have to cook the ham from raw, I would do the ham first and because it needs time to sit and cool and come down to temp. And then I would put the lamb in because the lamb is not. What about the pork? You're leaving pork out of the equation. Oh, the pork crackling. Oh, you're doing that. You only got one oven. Oh, definitely ham first, then pork, then lamb. Because the ham will be fine, maybe even better after it's been glazed and sat for a while. Mm. You get the pork crackling right, and then you do the lamb. Lamb is very tender. It's probably not very big. It won't take very long to cook at all. Oh, no, the one I'm getting. Super fatty. I'm getting big. (laughs) I'm getting the leg. Nice. Oh, my stars. It's my favorite thing in the world to eat. Yum, 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 yum. I like lamb. Some people don't like to hear that, but it, it's good. Hey. We've still got Luke Skywalker. <laughs> uh, see, I would I would think that you would do the pork last because you want the crackling to be like fresh and crispy, but I'm also not yeah, sure. Well. Can... The crackling the doesn't is, lose, can... it, lose its crisp, really. Yeah, it oh, doesn't okay. lose. So once you get it there, again, it's still got to sit and come down just for a minute. You know, anything you cook, roast, grill needs to sit for, what is it, twice the time it's cooked, you know, before it's, you know, it should still be warm, obviously, when it's sent to you. But, like, there are juices that ebb and flow, and they're at their peak after it's rested for a few minutes. And you could also maybe tint things in aluminum foil 
yeah right while they're resting yeah yeah and that'll that'll save temperature yeah keep it warm mm, i'm hungry <laughs> yeah right me too and i i love to produce the dankest um gravy Using the, the juice from the lamb and just hours, hours upon hours of stirring, adding wine, salts, peppers, more juice, more stirring. Really, like, I, I feel like I really feel like I get my witch on, like over my cauldron of gravy. <laughs> That's impressive. And um, I'm very excited. What is I, I'm I'm so I'm still so tired. I can't remember what order you told me to cook it in, but I just keep I I just keep remembering. I can I can find this spot in the podcast. (laughs) Just keep you you got my number. Just give me a call if you have any problems. All right, Christmas Day on the phone. Hey, what are the uh, so we got the three meats in Australian Christmas dinner? What are the sides? What that's always a big thing for me. The side dishes. Well, I'm biased. If it was me, mm-hmm. you'd just have those meats, roast potatoes, which I like to do with, um, I cut these little slits in them mm-hmm. and then put some olive oil and some salt and pepper and a few uh, little um, sesame seeds and then drown, drown, drown those bad boys in gravy. Drown. <laughs> but. So I would just rock with that. But then because of society and stuff like that, you got to have pumpkin and beans and just. just pumpkin and beans. Not not delicious tummy fillers. You know what I'm saying? You got to see. That's what I used to say. It's like you get one Christmas dinner. I, I can't be wasting crucial tummy time. <laughs> Real estate. There's only this. This thing can only stretch so far out. So, on this on this beautiful day, I, I'm just sticking. I am staying on target. Meats and potatoes. Oh, yes. Nice. Well, buddy, thanks so much for joining us. I know this was uh, man. What luck to have you on this episode. But also, Absolutely. like, I know it was a bit of a a, a push because of the lack of sleep and everything. So I really appreciate you coming along for the ri- the ride. Oh, my pleasure. Wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have missed it. And I am, I, I feel like tonight I'm going to have a real banger of a sleep. Um, I recommend it. And, but what fun, what fun after, um, a lot of unfun this year. I know. Um, it was, it was a really um, fun and exhausting time, and I've uh, and also I, I've just never experienced anything like that. Like, <laughs> like I, I I was I was I I was like in the corner of my office, like up on the roof, watching, looking down on myself, watching Luke Skywalker. It was it was bizarre. Yeah, an out of body experience. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you tell everybody? Because Man, you have been kicking out the content le- every uh, lately. So, just in case anybody's not aware, they're not part of the algorithm. Oh, you, 
Gotta respect the algorithm, you guys. Um, so yeah, I do the Steel Wars podcast. It's available on iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. And then a lot of that stuff, and then even more, is on the YouTube channel, which is um, youtube.com forward slash Steel Wars. And Monday to Thursday, well, the, the sort of schedule will change a little bit after Mando finishes um, after the New Year's break because we won't have a show. But um yeah, five days a week, videos at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Then we're doing the roundtables with, like, tons of people, horses on the last one, um, sort of breaking down and, and just cracking jokes about each Mandalorian episode. So the finale will be on Saturday night. But, um, yeah, check out the YouTube. It's um, it's It's been slowly building, had a absolutely face melting day on the old algorithm today um <laughs> with uh i've got this 10 minute reaction video with me watching the video with watching the movie bro sort of you know edited down and um Hawes and will i'm here to tell you it just cracked in how long's this thing been up for about 15 hours Forty thousand views oh nice buddy awesome algorithms melting man that's Incredible. awesome i'm very happy for you buddy and uh also check out the steel wars patreon you guys because there is some top tier bonus content on there you have page wars which is invaluable if like much like me you don't have time to keep up with all the books and comics and it of course features the gem of a human that is king tom you got the robo report which is fascinating fascinating you've got which i mean i'm definitely not biased by this but you should check out that he's got this one year star wars year by podcast ah oh, excellent pretty great pretty great all right and, we can and, and now the mando's done we can get back to really concentrating on on pumping we've got to got to get this return of the jedi out yeah and you know what Two are uh, two. We got one out during the Mando. I was pretty impressed with us because you know we, we're in as as Star Wars as goofy as it sounds. Star Wars content creators, we're in our busy season these last eight weeks, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I know <clears throat> for me and Will, it's been sort of difficult because we've had not we haven't had to, but I really wanted to hit recording every Friday night so we could get our episodes out as close to you know, the new episodes coming out and Will has had spotty availability here and there. So like, you know, the fact oh, that we were able to buckle down and yeah, well, this is the thing. Babies hate content. Yeah. Hate it. They Super will do what into it. they will do whatever they can to, to both ruining the consumption and the production of content. <laughs> I have a theory that my children can sense in the air when I have something to do after I put them to bed and make a concerted effort to stay up as late as possible and act up as much as possible on those specific nights. Mm. They can, they can, they can read the, the, the pheromones in your skin or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, uh, I've got she's some stuff to do. So please go to bed scent mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, be interesting to see how things go. I mean, I know we've got Bad Batch coming up before too, too long. And then, I don't know, the Book of Boba Fett at the end of next year. 
but we'll be back on a little bit more of a normal schedule uh, going forward. And next week, like I said, Will and I are going to sit down, sort of discuss season two of The Mandalorian as a whole. And uh, ding. And also, we will hear from you guys because we didn't get that to that this week. So get your emails and your voicemails in. We'll hear from all you guys. We'll talk about Mando. And uh, yeah, that's what we'll do. Um, it, should, it should also point out, I'm not sure if you hit it at the top of the show, um, but the day after, Boba Fett's um, original actor, Jeremy Bullock, died. Yes, we did. But Boba Fett gets his own TV series. I know, man. What a weird universal coincidence, right? Like, we, we definitely talked about Jeremy Bullock at the top of the show and, you know, talked about what a lovely man he was when I got to meet him and just how stoked he was to be part of star Wars and like, just seemed game, you know? Um, what a good dude. What a seemingly good dude. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for being along for the ride with us guys. And thanks to all of our special guests. You know, we had Sal, Emily, uh, Evan, we had King Tom, we had Chris Fresh, we had Robbo, we had Josh Chapman, and now our buddy Steel. So thanks to all you guys for coming along the ride with us and, uh, you know, dealing with me scheduling this shit so far in advance. Um, and anyways, until next week, this has been Blue Harvest. Uh, I'm Halls Burkhart. I'm Will Witten. I'm Luke Skywalker fan Steel Saunders. <laughs> May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May that force be with you. May the force be with us. <laughs>